Welcome to the Elevate Your Life podcast with Evelyn Kelly. I'm your host, Evie, life and business coach, and I'm here to support you to create unstoppable self-belief and confidence so that you can create the abundant life and profitable business you truly love and deserve. Join me for soulful yet straight-talking chats with epic humans, juicy DMs with me, and loads of inspiration so that you can be the best version of yourself and share your authentic magic with the world. Are you with me? Here we go. Hello, gorgeous ones. Welcome back to the Elevate Your Life podcast. I am your host, Evie, and today I'm joined by a fellow coach, Rachel Kujup, and we're talking about imposter syndrome and how to show up when you don't feel like you are an expert. This is such a good conversation. If you are in the early stages of business or any stage of business, actually, this is absolutely a podcast episode to listen and come back to time and time again if you have any wobbles around this. And also, I feel like some of these concepts could be really supportive for you in your personal world as well. So life or business people, stay tuned. There is so much goodness to come. But before we dive in, I want to share a little bit more about Rach. So Rachel Kujip is a marketing coach, copywriter, speaker, teacher, and published author. She supports multi-passionate women to build an aligned, ethical, and profitable business without having to choose between their passions, compromise their values, and use unethical marketing tactics. Rachel has helped over 3,000 creative entrepreneurs gain financial freedom in their businesses, enabling them to make a positive contribution to the world. She lives in Melbourne, Australia with her 70 house plants, Whippet, Pacey and matching tracksuit set collection. Oh my goodness, that gives you a little taste test of Rach just in her little bio. How cool is that? So today we're diving into imposter syndrome, how to show up when you don't feel like an expert, redefining what actually is an expert. Rachel shares a lot about her her take on different leadership styles and how we can lean into each of these and we'll realize where our strengths lie. We talk a lot about like your authentic magic, really finding your voice and what you really want to share. How do you sort of show up and share when you feel like everyone is online and doing what you want to do? So there's so much in here around our personal journeys with both of these topics and some really practical things to take away and implement and journal on for yourself. So without further ado, here is the one and only Rachel Kuzup. Hey, Rach. How are you? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, so good to have you here. Such a juicy conversation. But before we dive in, can you start us off with a dose of inspiration and tell me your favorite quote and why? I still remember the moment that I saw this quote and it's like, I feel like it's speaks to me on so many levels and sums up what I'm all about. So I feel like you only get to know me pretty well after this quote. I was sitting at a desk and I was thinking about should I leave my day job and really commit to like freelancing and building my business and I was scrolling the web for inspiration (laughs) as you do and (laughs) this quote just like came up in my Google search based on I can't remember what I was typing but I definitely took it as a sign. So The quote is, the most dangerous risk of all, the risk of spending your life not doing 
what you want on the bet you can buy yourself the freedom to do it later. And the quote is by Randy Comsar. I think I'm mispronouncing his name, so apologies there. But that just sums up everything I'm about because so many of us, right, are like, I'll do this thing that I don't want to do. I'll play the game. I'll be the good person. I'll save up my money. You know, I'll retire later and do everything. And then that time just never comes. And like each year and month, we're like, oh my God, I didn't do that one thing that I truly wanted. And so every time I'm feeling kind of like lost or uninspired, I remember this quote and I get off my butt and I go do the one thing that like my intuition, you know, my inner nurturer is telling me to do. And I just feel so much better for doing it. And my life feels more fulfilled. And I feel like I'm getting a whole bunch of stuff done. So I never wait for the perfect time anymore. I never put my plans or what I need on hold. I do what I need in the moment, obviously, where possible. Amazing. I haven't actually heard that quote before, but it's so good. And how fitting for today's conversation. I feel like this is always the case with guests. It's like we have these quotes that so often resonate with us and then it translates into our work or what we want to talk about on the podcast. Fascinating. And yeah, so good. So good. So tell us a bit more about yourself, Rach. For the listeners who don't know you, what do you do and how did you get to doing this work? What's your journey been like? So I'm a business and marketing coach for multi-passionate business people and I've been doing what I do now for 10 years I worked out the other day so I've been through so many different phases of my business I've done the freelancer stage um, I've done the solopreneur stage and now I'm at the place in my business where I have a small team and I'm really focusing more on how I can be a leader in the space and support others. So it wasn't always like I used to be a copywriter for hire. I used to do a lot of marketing and consultation work and I love it. And over time, I knew that I wanted to still do this type of work. I just wanted to look a little bit different. So slowly I made the like the transition into coaching. I never saw myself as a coach and I actually resisted calling myself this title for a while, which again, I think, you know, we can chat about more in this episode why that is. But as soon as I called myself that, just everything fell into place because I've always been a leader. I've always been coaching. I've always been teaching in some capacity, just not in the way that I thought I would be. So as a child, I wanted to be like a teacher and for years I wanted to be like an artist and a writer. And I was like, how can I blur and kind of mold that to suit me. And it took a while. These things don't happen overnight, but I feel like I'm finally at that spot where I was like, yes, this is what I was always dreaming about. This is what I always wanted. You know, when I was like finding that quote and I was like, what am I going to do with my life? I'd done everything that I was supposed to do, the corporate career. I've been managing people and running like front of house at like retail and restaurants and stuff since I was 15. So I've had all of the jobs, all of the careers, and I just kept on coming up at the same wall being like, this isn't quite right. This isn't for me. This is not really serving everything I want to do in life. Why is everything so constrictive? Why do I have to sit here nine to five? All of that. And so it took me a while, like I said, but I finally got to this spot where I'm like, oh, I can have everything I want. Not that it's not hard some days. It's really hard some days. Um, 
but it's, you know, what I would choose over anything else. Mm, Wow. Love that story so much. Thanks for sharing that. And I think that's so inspiring to hear. And how good does it feel now when you're like, this is what I was, what I was meeting when I was younger. Like this is my thing and it feels so cool. So, so cool. I think, you know, it's always hindsight is lovely, isn't it? You're like, oh, if only I'd realized this. But I think, you know, looking back, I was like writing poetry on topics and winning writing competitions and like grade five and grade six. I was that annoying kid that was always like, but why? But why? Um, you know, I was always questioning things like, why are we doing it this way? Why do we have to do X, Y, and Z? That doesn't feel good. I was always getting asked to speak on behalf of others or people, you know, would nominate me for like leadership positions in school. So I think it was always there. I just really Mm. needed to see that I could define that for myself because I was, I think, blinded by a lot of the patriarchy and capitalist views that were taught in school and things like that. And so it took me a while to really kind of shed that skin and be like, oh, my God, I'm free. I can do what I want. Um, And, like, you're so right. It's so, so freeing. But, like I said, it, it is hard work too. It didn't happen overnight. Totally. I resonate with that so much and I feel like my journey's different but there's some similarities there for sure. Oh, so good, so good. And I love that you're like, yeah, this is what I would choose over and over again, even though it's not always rainbows and butterflies and it's hard work and consistency. But like, how cool is that? I love that. Thanks for sharing it. I hope that's like fired up some people today (laughs) to go after what that is for them. So let's dive into the conversation today. I wanted to talk a bit about like, how can we get over imposter syndrome? And how do you show up when you don't feel like you're an expert in your field or whatever it is that you're doing, specifically probably in your business, but we can apply this to other other areas. So what would you say to these people? Like, I mean, I often see this uh, in the early stages of business with my own clients. Um, but yeah, how have you seen this a lot? And what would you say to those people? Such a great question. And first of all, uh, yes, I see this all the time. Was I someone who experienced this too? Yes. Like I, I feel it all the time too. I, Although I've done this work, I am an expert in this space. I'm going to be honest, like five to 10 times a week, I'd be like, who the hell am I to say this thing, to do this thing, to, you know, question something, to ask someone to do something a different way? Like who am I? And something that I have really been focusing on recently is redefining what it means to be an expert. So going on from what I just said before, you know, I really was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders and I think everyone is. And within that, it feels really constrictive because it is. Uh, For a lot of us, if I say picture a leader, an expert, you often picture a white man standing in front of like a group of people in a theater or on stage like Steve Jobs. It's very much leader on pedestal in front of large audience, like teaching at that person, mm. right? It, there's not a lot of facilitation. There's not a lot of peer-to-peer learning. And I think for a lot of us, we really see an expert like that. And to get into those positions, you have to have been doing your thing for like ever, right? You have 50 million university degrees and debt and, you know, you have to be running a business or be a CEO or some other sort of universal metric of recognition, lots of money for a lot of people to be seen as an expert. And if you don't have those things, 
when you look around and look at other leaders, you think, well, I can't possibly be like them. I can't possibly have anything to say because I don't look and act and have what they have. But I think we're seeing a real shift of what it means to be an expert. And I think this is a good thing. It's so important for what society needs right now and so freeing for us as business owners. And so now what I see as an expert is someone who knows a topic or a way of doing things that is different to others and that other people are looking for that support. And so for many of us, me included, speaking to all the multi-passionate people out there, we have many buckets of skills, knowledge and expertise. And what's really, really important is that we're able to grab a little bit from each of those buckets and then together we can provide some really unique solutions um, and solve a, a lot of problems for the world at large and for our clients. And so that's what an expert means to me now and there's more about peer learning and knowing that I don't have to know absolutely everything that the two of us perfect example we have a lot of similar strategies a lot of similar knowledge but I know that if we both sat down we would learn so much from each other so it's not about having someone above someone else or right or wrong it's about learning from each other and so I think when you look at it that way you start to see hey I don't need to have necessarily 10 years and I'm not saying that university Mm. degrees and you know expertise in the space is not needed because that is very true and I've had many years in this space but you only need to be knowing a little bit more than other people or a different way of thinking and feeling about something and you can bring something new to the table so when you think about it like that you realize hey I do have something to offer Mm. I can bring something that isn't just like money or recognition or degrees and that is I think a really important thing to remember. When I'm having those moments, I, I think to myself, well, yes, there are already other people talking about X, Y, and Z, but are they coming at it from my lens, maybe from you know a trauma-sensitive lens? Are they coming at it from being someone in Australia versus someone in America? All of those things. And then you can speak with confidence and clarity because you already are an expert. You just need to claim it. Yes. What what an interesting topic. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I love the way that you've redefined that. And and you're so right. We're taught it like to, to be an expert is like, yeah, all the years of experience, all the degrees, all the money, all the clout, like that kind of thing. But yeah, that that's not necessarily true, right? So, so true. Um and so I think and what I, what comes up for me there is like really owning your authentic voice and the way that you share, the way that you teach, the way that you coach, whatever it might be, or your uniqueness is really important here. And that's what sets you aside from other people, right? And and I think that's what you were sort of sharing there towards the end. So I'm just wondering, what's your take on this around like really building the belief and the confidence to actually start showing up and sharing your voice and sharing your wisdom? I think it comes from being open to the idea that how you want to share, how you want to show up may be different than what you think you should be doing. And the reason why I say that is I'm going to be honest, I didn't step into kind of my role as a leader for so long because I thought I didn't look the part. And like in hindsight, I'm like, Rachel, what the but I think for a lot of us we are looking around and trying to find others that look like us and for me specifically it was more about status um 
than mm. anything else. Obviously, I'm cis white gender, so there are a lot white and female. There are a lot of people that look like me, but I man, you know, social status. So I didn't have the nice car. I didn't want to wear the suits. I don't mind wearing pink, but I didn't want to wear bright pink. I didn't want to act in a certain way that a lot of I saw other women being forced to kind of be and hold themselves. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if you do any of these things, there's nothing against that. But it's just not very me. I'm currently sitting in a matching tracksuit set. And that's how I like to be when I show up in these kind of spaces. And I kept on looking around being like, I can't possibly get on stage. Like, one, I can't afford those clothes. And like, too like I feel awkward in them and I tried and I just didn't feel myself and I you know self-sabotage because I was awkward I was constantly like mumbling I was just stressing out about everything and I wasn't actually showing up in a great way and then I realized that again I could be an expert and show up wearing whatever the hell I wanted and when I did that I felt more comfortable and then people took me more seriously because I was also quite young so I'll be at this front of a room doing like a workshop or something and, you know, in a corporate space and people would walk in and be like, oh, can you get me some water? And I'm like, the, uh, I can ask to have water brought in, but I'm actually here teaching them like, oh, you're Rachel. And so all of those kind of things really impacted how I thought that I should be. So I felt like I had to prove myself, I guess, is what I'm saying. So the first step is to really think about how you want to be in that space and it might look different to how you think you should be and that and again is freeing but it's also quite confronting and involves a lot of work and then once you do that it takes time to find your voice even as a copywriter it took me ages to find my voice because I was so conditioned to speak on behalf of brands and others mm. and particularly in the business space I'm seeing everyone sound really really similar to each other and that's why because we just copy kind of the norm and we're not spending the time to develop our own voice so there is a lot of work involved in it, but I think the first step is like how I want to be might not be how I think I should be and you need to be comfortable with being <laughs> uncomfortable in that space until you figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And all of that juicy inner work around like authenticity, who am I really embracing owning that and showing up from that place? 100%. As you were sharing those stories, I was just thinking of a story that Brene Brown has shared clearly publicly. I'm not entirely sure where I heard her say this, but how she was giving one of her um, presentations around her research and they asked her to, to wear like a black and white suit and be super professional and polished and all of this stuff. Well, I want to say professional in quotation marks here. And she was like, I'm going to be delivering a presentation in my research around vulnerability and shame and courage. And here's me showing up in something that's like really inauthentic to me. Like, no, I'm not going to be doing this. And then instead, like, wore her jeans and top or whatever she felt really authentic and comfortable in. Um, and I just love that story so much. And I think that's similar to what you're sharing here is, like, when I am embracing and owning who I really am and coming from that authentic place, then, yes, maybe that's a little bit uncomfortable at, at the start to get used to. But that's where the magic is. And, like, that's part of being a leader and part of, like, owning your gifts and talents and you know, that's where you're going to create some amazing change and, and impact in the world and through whatever medium you're doing it through, whatever work it is. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, how can I sit here and tell my clients they need to be authentic and vulnerable and, you know, show up um, in a way that feels good to them and take brave action if I'm sitting here and constantly conforming so that it's easier or not doing this inner work myself. And I 
truly believe that I needed to go through this experience myself. And like I said, it comes up for me daily and weekly. I think it's a story that I'm going to be rewriting for the rest of my life. And I've accepted that. But until I wanted to do that work myself, how could I possibly ask others to do it? And I think that's where a lot of people, well, I know for my clients, um, are kind of coming up against that kind of wall where they're wanting their clients to do that, but they're not willing to do that work themselves. And so I guess this is my loving way to say that if you're a coach or a leader or even a service provider leading others through processes, you know, designers, copywriters, telling people to be bold and brave online, if you're not willing to do that yourself, it's going to be harder to convince others because they're going to be looking for you as that leader and then you're not in that leadership position. And that doesn't mean you can't keep doing the work and that you need to be perfect, but you need to be a little vulnerable too if you expect vulnerability from others. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. Hard truths, but so, so right. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It reminds me um, the authenticity piece. I just did an Instagram reel on this literally yesterday. So it's so funny how these conversations align. (laughs) But I was saying like when I first got into coaching, I thought like I had to be super professional and polished and I could only drink green juices and I couldn't have alcohol and I couldn't swear and like (laughs) all of this stuff. And it, it makes me laugh now because I'm like, that was just so like that was my ideal or the conditioning that I somehow learned or thought that I needed to be in order to be like successful and taken seriously and all of these things. But it's actually been the complete opposite. And in those early stages of business as a coach, that was so much of my work is like really peeling back the layers of what I think I should be and actually embracing my authentic self. And then of course, as you know, the more you show up in your authentic self, the more successful you're going to become and the better better coach you're going to become, right? And like you say, then it's that ripple effect. You're giving permission for others to do the same. You're being that leader going first and, yeah, encouraging others to do the same and step up. So I love that so much. So how do we really hone our voice then, I guess? Like how can we take this a step further? So, yes, showing up authentically in the way we dress, present ourselves, all of that kind of thing. But can you talk more specifically to around like, how do we really find our voice? You sort of alluded to the fact that it was a journey for you with your own copywriting work, for example. Um, Yeah. What what would you have to say there, Rach? I think it's first deciding on your leadership style. So I have three leadership styles that I've um, created and I will quickly go through them. So it's not about choosing which style you want or changing a style, but it's kind of recognizing how you are in your natural state of being. Mm-hmm. So the first style is the storyteller. And so many of my dream clients are this. They love telling stories. They love learning through stories, inspiring others through stories. And they're constantly sharing stories. However, for a lot of them, they're not really sure how to take someone from a story into action or to provide like evidence um, and like a clear path forward. So once the story's over, a lot of their clients are like, oh, that's really, really lovely. Thanks. I had heaps of fun, but then don't do a lot. And then we've got the teacher, which is more me, which is people who are really great at their craft or experts in their space. You could talk for hours and they're really good at pointing out like processes and steps and frameworks for people to take, but often because there's no story behind it and people just get really bogged down with all of the things, people get really like overwhelmed and like unsure. 
And so again, you know, it may struggle to take action or see the point of doing all of these steps. And then you also have the facilitator, which is me to a degree um, where people really, really love including others. So always like, what do you think? What are your opinions? And those kind of things and are really great at bringing together people together. But again, then aren't great at like getting people to take that kind of community and what they've learned and put it into action in their own spot. And so I think once you kind of see what leadership style you fall into, and that was just a very brief overview, you can then say, okay, where are my strengths? Where do people naturally like, you know, lean in and go, Rachel, tell me more, like Evie, tell me more. And then where are some ways that I can really work on honing my voice or my expertise or how I want to show up. So for me, a big one was, like I said, I'm the teacher and the facilitator, but then a lot of my clients really relate to stories and I just wasn't sharing enough stories in my content, in my tone of voice. I was very matter of fact, this is how we do it. You know, this is what I want you to do, go do it. And for a lot of people, they're like, oh, like, you know, give me some fun, some insight, some inspiration. So I've been working really, really hard to do that. So I think once you figure out your leadership style, then you can go, okay, what parts of my voice or expertise or approach do I want to work on? So for me, I think my like tone of voice is um, really empathetic and like loving and I'm never about like you're doing the wrong thing. It's about like, can we talk about this thing too? Because I think it will support you. And so that really comes out in the way that I teach and facilitate in the way that I tell stories. So that's just one way that you can do it. There are so many other ways you can like journal on it. You can ask friends to tell you who you are as a person, how you make them feel. Um, Another big, uh, I suppose, exercise that I ask all my clients to do is to sit down and think about like, what do you want your clients to like think after engaging with you or interacting with you? What do you want your clients to do after engaging or interacting with you? And who do you want your clients to be after like interacting and engaging with you? And from that, again, you can start thinking about your voice because when we're talking about being our authentic self, I'm a strong believer in that doesn't mean you need to show up and be all parts of yourself online and in business. We only want to choose parts that really support us, our business and our clients. And, you know, when I say like, our business, I mean like our purpose, our mission, et cetera. And so there are lots of parts of my personality. A big one is um, my coach, well, our coach Ellie said to me, she's like, you're funny. And I was like, am I? And she's like, yeah, you're like funny and like fun. Why don't you ever share that online? I was like, oh, yeah, I don't <laughs> know that. Like I'm actually kind of silly with my friends and family and I'm quite sarcastic. And if you look at my content, you wouldn't often see that. Um, doesn't always resonate in my approach, like I said, in my kind of um, leadership styles. But that's where I would encourage you to kind of sit a few exercises, leadership style, and then figure out, well, what parts of my true self and my voice do I want to work on? Do I want to, like, you know, draw upon when I'm creating content, when I'm talking to my clients in my business? Mm, interesting interesting some really valuable stuff there definitely go away and journal on those points hey and I love the leadership um styles kind of categories that you you um listed there it's interesting it's almost like in a perfect world we would blend like almost all three of those and then bring our uniqueness through um yeah, interesting. And interesting that you don't share that that funny side of you, the silly funny side of you online. And it's that's fascinating. Because I guess I'm of the school of thought is that 
I, I totally hear you and agree with you when you say we don't have to share all of ourselves or everything, you know, online and within our business. And I think that's really important to have a few boundaries around that, or at least have some things that are for you, right? We don't have to share it all. And then being really discerning about what parts of me or my life or my work or whatever it might be that are going to be really serving to my clients and my customers and things like that, for sure. But then I think there's also a part of that is like conveying those messages or showing up in the way or teaching or leading in the way that is most aligned and authentic to you. So maybe it's like, um, maybe there is like that humor that comes out of you or in some parts of your content, or maybe that's not necessarily like part of your message as such, but you sprinkle that flavoring through it is what I want to say. Would you agree? That's my personal take on it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think my content is kind of fun um, and not funny, but fun and enjoyable and easeful. So that comes through. But if I'm honest, if I'm coaching or leading or teaching, sometimes when I'm doing presentations, I like kind of make some jokes or a bit of sarcasm because I'm Australian. But I wouldn't say that is my strongest way Mm. of leading at all and my coaching clients I I do it to make my naturally because I want people to feel really comfortable and often I'm talking about some serious stuff and I don't want people to get like bored I want people to know that they can have fun in that experience and that learning this is fun but I wouldn't say my client maybe my clients listen to this and tell me I'm completely wrong (laughs) I wouldn't say my clients come to me for being funny or fun they come to me for that compassion that empathy that understanding because I'm a very big believer on the peer-to-peer teaching and learning. So I'm always like being open about what I'm struggling with. I'm always saying like, yes, that is completely normal for you to feel this way. I'm always leading with that. I'm not leading um, with humor or sarcasm. And, you know, if I added up my personality, my friends probably wouldn't list funny as like, you know, a major personality trait uh, either. My partner definitely jokes that I'm not funny. I'm just sarcastic and annoying. So, yeah, like I think they're small things that I do that certain people see at certain points, but that's why I don't lead with that necessarily. But I am trying to make sure that I'm having fun in my processes, encouraging others to have fun in my work. But you won't see me probably cracking jokes online. Sorry. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably same here as well. Um, Yeah, cool. I like that. Okay, so then it's sort of like really realizing or recognizing, embracing your strengths and how you like to lead and serve the best, like your your superpowers in that. And then I like to say sprinkling those like authentic magic stuff within other little bits and pieces, like but not necessarily leading with that, for example. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if I if we go slightly off topic, but the strategic aspect of leadership and thinking about what you want to include in your authentic voice and way of being, a way of teaching, leading, running a business, is that I'm also big on positioning. So I do look mm. to the wider market and go, like, what are my key strengths first? What do my clients need from me second? And then go, okay, what is the rest of the market and stuff doing? And I think a lot of people, particularly copywriters, use a lot of 90s slang, which I do too. 
you know, swear a lot, are really like witty and funny and dry humor. And that's the way that they sell. And then a lot of business coaches, obviously these are my opinions, um, you know, that really kind of like kind and soft tone and supportive or the opposite where they're like, you know, coming at you saying you got to do this thing you know the tough love and so when I think about that and my perception of it and where I fit in that's when I choose how I want to show up in that space so I never really related to being the witty copywriter that wasn't me I was a real strong blend of the coach and copywriter together and I am a realist and quite practical as well and I don't think I've got a lot of soft like love approach I'm kind of in the middle so then those combined um, gives me I guess my like unique voice and that's the things that I also think about once I've established my voice the market what my business needs what my clients want mm, love it yeah so good and I'm just as you're speaking I'm kind of like reflecting on my journey of like how I've sort of honed my my message and my voice and what I would call my authentic magic um and I feel like it is a bit of a journey like we were talking about earlier is like taking down those conditions or the masks that we were hiding behind of who we have to be or think we should be and then actually just embracing owning becoming more confident in who we are as as the coach the expert the whatever the service provider um yeah, and I think that that's, that is a bit of a journey, right? And I think, I, I don't know if you've had this, but when I have looked up to other people in a, a similar industry to us and I've watched their business journey as well, and you can kind of see that it morphs and changes and evolves slightly, like of course it's still them, but I feel like the more you do this work, the more refined it gets or the more the more more easy it becomes I guess it's just like then it's just you and it's it's just sharing that and yeah that's where the magic is I think that's so true and also you know I've been doing this for 10 years now in some kind of iteration so I would not want my voice the way I do things my practices to be exactly the same you're right at the heart of everything I do is the same and you know my strategies that are tried and tested, I still use and I adapt slightly to current markets or times, um, particular challenges. But I think, yeah, you're expected your business to kind of grow and morph with you. I think that's what makes a really sustainable and profitable business if it does morph with you. I think you're so right. A lot of the business owners that I like looked up to and loved when they got really stagnant and then over time nothing changed. I'm like, you know, we're not talking about that anymore or we don't use those graphics anymore or people don't need that program or, you know, we've moved from, you know, blogging to podcasting. Like surely you're not making as much sales anymore just doing blogging services and things like that. So I think those businesses that stay put Mm -hmm. and are never thinking about evolving into the future as well as, you know, the present, they're the ones that are probably going to struggle. And that's when we can see, I think, Obviously, I'm coming out from a marketing and copywriting perspective. We can see the differences in voice where it just doesn't quite line up anymore or there's just no energy behind what they're posting. It feels too boring, too too much repetition, too like, yeah, I'll just throw it out and see what happens. And you can really tell the business owners who are like in their business, loving it, working it, really involved. We can just feel their energy. And that doesn't mean that both business owners aren't doing amazing things, that they both aren't struggling or whatever. You can just see the energy and the focus behind that. So I agree, like things that meant to evolve over time and you're meant to evolve with your business, even though it is a separate identity, there is often a lot of overlap. Yes, 
hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the cool thing is, is that then your business ideally, and I mean, I'm always a huge advocate for this and I'm sure you are too, is that we're creating aligned, authentic businesses that, you know, that, that we love, that serve us and have a wonderful impact and serve so many other people as well. And if we're not, then it's almost, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's almost like, well, then what was the point? You know, so many of us go into our own businesses because we're wanting oh, multiple different reasons. Like we're wanting more or we're wanting to do it in our way. But so often it is, yeah, we're, we're wanting to create something that's ours and our uniqueness is so important. So if it's not aligned and not authentic, then yeah, what's the point? Totally agree. And I think also, um, you know, I'm a bit honest, the last few years have been, particularly hard COVID, obviously. Um, But also I happened to be going through a huge shift in my business just as COVID kind of started and I shifted a lot online. I really took the name as a a coach and things like that. And so, you know, when you're going through a new stage of business um, and you're, again, I was stepping into a different role as a different type of leader, um, was talking about different types of expertise, you know, re-honing my voice and things like that it can be a process and for a while you can feel like it's just not quite right or for a lot of us, which is completely normal, we mimic a lot of the people around us when we're learning from them and we're in that new phase. And I just didn't want to, I wanted to point that out because that is another phase of business too um, where, you know, you could be like, I'm not exactly sure what I'm saying, but this is kind of roughly what I think I want to say. Or you look at, you know, what's coming out of you in terms of words and content and the way you teach and you sort of go, oh, this feels very similar to X, Y, and Z. That's a completely normal thing. And then again, once you understand how to do something, then you can come back over the top and provide your expertise, new unique ways of being and looking. And then it becomes very, very you. So Mm. Even the last few years, I've had different stages of like my business. I've tried different programs, different launch methods, different like words, different marketing practices. And again, that's why I'm saying I feel so good where I'm currently at because I've been working hard for the last three years to figure it out, this stage of my business, you know, to figure it out. And I feel really confident now from this place. I feel like it's truly me and the copy, the approaches. And it always was, but it just really sounds like authentic me and when I show up I can show up with so much confidence and clarity so if you're in that sort of messy middle um, which isn't my favorite term but I think a lot of people understand that then it's okay if it's not a hundred percent perfect or Mm. if you feel like it could be mimicking others you're not quite sure obviously straight out copying someone's is not true but I think most of us don't know that we're naturally doing it so a lot of my clients will start to imitate my copy um And then we talk about it and we move through it and I help them find their authentic voice. And I don't say that they're doing anything wrong or that I've done anything wrong. I just know that's how a lot of us learn. We learn by mimicking others and following others and then applying it to ourselves and then adapting it for what works for us. Yes, yes, really good point that you raised there. And I was just going to add in a couple of things. Um, I totally agree in what you're saying there. And I think like in early stages of business, we can kind of like follow all the coaches online or the people that are in our industry. I'm just using coaches as an example because we both are, but whatever industry it is. And you're like, oh my goodness, there's so many coaches and everyone's talking about this. And like your social media feed can just be consumed with all this stuff. And I know that that was definitely my <laughs> my experience when I was first um, first coming into this world and training and things. 
And then what I often say to clients now is actually maybe have one or two key expanders or people that you really admire and love in this business as an expander for that reason but then unfollow all the other people and stop consuming all of the other content and actually start to really enable you to create first instead of just consuming and then kind of try to figure out what your voice is or like you say, um, you know, unbeknown to us, we can we can tend to take on words or voices of other people's and it's not necessarily our authentic voice. So time away from that unfollowing being really discerning about who you follow online as expanders only and yeah really honing your voice sharing your stuff free writing like talking and voice notes and and seeing what naturally flows from you what words do you normally use those sorts of things like all of that stuff I think is so important in the early stages just to yeah cut out all the noise and the the other things so we're not so influenced by other people and then really just coming into our own with it what would you say, Rach, to round off this conversation, what would you say to people who are in those early stages of business or they're sitting on the fence about to leap and they're like, should I, should I not, doubting themselves, getting the imposter syndrome thoughts popping up about who do we think you are to do this? I'm not an expert, etc. What would you say to them? That it is completely normal to feel like you're not ready so not ready is like a feeling it's not a place or a mindset it's simply a feeling meaning that you can sit with it you can experience it you can acknowledge it and you can move through it so something that I help a lot of my clients do and I'll share a quick exercise here um, in the hope that'll help you all as well is that I feel this all the time too my clients come to me and they're like I'm not sure if I'm ready to you know, get on a podcast, write like an article, share this content, name my framework. And I say to them, that is completely okay. Let's think about like why you might not be feel like feel ready. And like you said, often it's the imposter syndrome, et cetera. So what I get them to do is get out a sheet of paper, draw a line down the middle on the left-hand side to write all of the things that could happen, positive things that could happen if they took action. So if they wrote that article, they submitted that pitch, named the framework, sold in a dm etc all of the possible things and then on the right hand side to list all of the possible negative things that could come from that action and then i ask them to like go away watch netflix play with the dog you know hug their baby anything like that um just something to really calm the nervous system down and to make them feel really relaxed and safe um and then to come back to that list and what they often find is on the left hand side all of the positive things, one, outweigh all of the possible negative things. Two, getting those positive things is so easy. Like they're in control of that. They can take steps. They can get support. They can work through their mindset. And then we can list all of the things that if any fear is still come up around them, we can go, okay. So often they'll come to me and say, I'm not, I feel like I'm not ready because I don't know the process. Great, let's map out the process. I feel like I'm not ready because this story is coming up. Okay, cool, let's work through that story. So we can do practical things. They feel safe. They feel like they can take action. They can move through. What's also interesting about this negative list when they look at it is that it's all possible in air quotes, meaning most of the time it will never happen. And again, even if some things did happen, like, you know, you sold in the DM and someone's like, oh, why are you selling to me? Or I'm not interested. 
again can think of some really nice ways to handle that situation or to move through it we can put things in place to make it like easier to take the action but most of the time those things that we think are going to happen never ever happen they're the most extreme things and I think for a lot of people we get stuck in this cycle of I'm not ready and I'm not saying that you shouldn't listen to your nervous system and what's right for you. There are a lot of um, things that are triggering and traumatizing for obvious reasons. And we need to do the work behind that before we can take action in business. I'm a big believer in that. But for most of us, we just go, oh, this nervous, I'm not ready feeling means it's wrong that I can't do it, that I shouldn't do it. When often it means that we're doing something that feels really good to us, that's going to serve us, that's going to help us grow and thrive and that we just need to work through it. Because I don't know anyone from celebrities, sporting heroes, like to friends, partners, etc., who haven't felt that I'm not ready and then they're the ones who like take action and then succeed and then the rest of us will just sit there and we end up just being sort of spectators in our own lives and we wonder why other people are having success and we're not and that can really create a lot of those kind of shame and perfectionist spirals. So if you're feeling like, your imposter, who am I, I can't do this, etc. Um, you've got the I'm not readies and that is completely okay but to really sit down and do this work. And then for some of my clients um, when it's safe to do, so I say for them to even share that list or talk through it with a friend or a partner or a peer and to list all those things and then even having um, that person to provide evidence for you if you can't find evidence yourself. So for me... Mm. Sometimes I struggle to find evidence for myself. I can find evidence that I can't do something, but I can't always find evidence that I can do something. And that is just something that I've been um, working on. So I'll ask friends or peers or coaches to help me find the positive evidence. And then I sit with that because there are always evidence that you can do something or you can't do something. Mm. Um, Your brain will find whatever it is that it truly wants and is searching for. So if you need that accountability and support, reach out to someone who can do that. Um, That's what I would recommend doing because like I said well correct me if I'm wrong Eva you probably feel the same way I'm always feeling like I'm not freaking ready to do anything like all the time and now I'm just like oh this is a great thing this means on the other side of this action like I'm going to be a step further to where I want to be so now I welcome it and I'm like cool let's do this exercise let's sit with that Um, or now I just go I don't feel like I'm ready and I'm already doing the action as I'm thinking and I was like yeah like you can't stop me now Totally, totally. You know, I'm a big fan of of working through all those mindset wobbles and inner critic stuff. And yeah, that's a really wonderful practical exercise. I love that. Thanks for sharing it. And so similar to what I would teach around the inner critic stuff, which we've talked about, I know. And yeah, you're so right. I don't think we're ever going to fully feel ready, right? That's the whole idea about like your comfort zone, right? You've got to start stretching it and stepping out of the comfort zone in order for that to expand and for you to grow. And so, yeah, if you're definitely sitting on the fence, I like, I'm like visualizing (laughs) someone sitting on the fence, but it's literally like on the edge of your comfort zone. And, you know, I really believe that life really starts living when we're stepping out of our comfort zone. Like that's where the magic is. That's where that deep fulfillment, satisfaction, like feeling alive, that we're doing something that matters, that we're growing, that we're evolving. And I really believe that that's that's what life's all about. I mean, and more, of course, but, you know, that's a big part of it. 
Yeah, um, that's so true. And I think also it's important to note here that some people are high risk takers and some people are low risk takers. So you're not doing anything wrong if you want to take baby steps out of your comfort zone, you know, just hang your legs over the fence and just see if it's warmer on the other side or what's happening over there, you know, peek over. There is nothing wrong with that. And again, that's why I think it's so good to put those practical steps because you can step it out so it feels really safe and brave and secure for yourself. And then there are like high risk takers. I'm not one of those, (laughs) by the way, but some of my clients are, and I love it because they're like, oh no, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Let's make it happen today. And I love (laughs) supporting them and like just witnessing them like jump and leap, but also knowing that's not, that's not my style. And I think uh, again, a lot of people are taught in business. You have to be an expert or a leader in a certain way. You have to talk a certain way, be fast speaking, um, you know, wear bright colors, be an extrovert. And then also when making decisions in your business and being your authentic self, you still need to work within the system so you need so you need to make decisions fast and be a big risk taker and make all these leaps and go from one you know like mode to the next mode in your business in 30 seconds where again that is not the case at all you can really define that for yourself and there's nothing wrong but it's about as you always say Evie like coming back to who you are as an individual and what feels good for you and really making decisions um, from that place yeah beautiful Love that so much. Amazing. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Yes. Let's do it. Amazing. A hard one, a biggie. What's been one of your biggest lessons in business to date? I think it's a it's a lesson that I just keep on repeating. So clearly I haven't taken away everything that I um, need to. And I, I alluded to it at the start of this conversation. But for me, I really feel each time I want to make a decision in my business or make a change that it's not possible for me because I can't see others doing it. And so a lesson that I intend on repeating (laughs) over and over until I get it right is that um, when I feel really called to do something, when I know just internally that intuition that I can make it happen, that even if I can't see it around me doesn't mean that it's not possible. The fact that I'm feeling it, thinking it, know clearly in my mind how I can make it happen means that's the thing I'm supposed to be doing, that it Mm. is possible and the world probably needs it if I'm sitting here over and over thinking about how I want to make a change. So that's what allowed me to like retire all of my like programs and services and courses and just offer my coaching program it allowed me to transition from like being a copywriter and a marketing consultant into blending that kind of role with coaching and teaching in organizations, my clients, it's just really served me so much. And it's a lesson, like I said, that keeps coming up for me. Um, But I feel like I'm nearly there. I'm nearly accepting that after this last kind of iteration of my business, but that's just one thing that I wish I'd learned and accepted earlier. Mm. Amazing. Thank you for sharing that with me and, and the listeners. I, I always say like, if you didn't have the vision, then it's, then it wouldn't be yours to create and to follow through on. Right. So if you do, then it is absolutely yours. Love that. Uh, what's one piece of advice you'd tell someone in the early stages of business? That you have the right to change your mind. So, so many of my clients, um, and I was a little bit like this, it's like, oh my God, I spent all this time and money and energy and creativity and effort doing this X, Y, and Z thing. I have to see it through, even though it doesn't feel good anymore. It's not aligned. It's not what I want. It doesn't support me. So I think permission 
to change your mind, change your opinions and to create other opportunities for yourself. That could be anything from the way that you show up online, um, the way that you talk about yourself and your programs, the words that you use, your offerings, anything. Don't ever tell yourself because you've already put time and energy, creativity into it, um, that you have to see it through or that you can't make a change it's like you need to get your money's worth, you know, like the buffet thing. Well, no, it's not how it really works. Like you've already paid the money. It's like a sunk cost, right? You've already given all the way to it. Why would you keep giving away to something that is no longer serving you? And something that also, another example for a lot of my clients are like using apps or programs or ways of working that are no longer serving them. Like, but I've already spent a thousand dollars on it. I was like, well, you could spend $500 more and it would give you all of this freedom and more chance to make money and do all the things you love. Like, why are you punishing yourself? Like, why are you saying that you've already spent money or something like that? Like, you can change your mind. Clearly, you want to. Sorry to have that permission. Mm, very good advice. I feel like so many of us have that societal conditioning around you have to follow through and you have to stay with the one thing and you can't change. <laughs> so not true. Not true, not true at all. <laughs> And lucky last, if there was one thing, one message or one piece of wisdom that you'd like to impart with the world and the lives that you've touched, what would it be? This one is always so, so hard. I never know like an answer to this. I think for me, it's that you are like a fantastic leader. Like you're already a leader. You're already an expert. People already are getting so much from what you offer in the world on small and large scales. So you don't need to become an expert, find your expertise. You really just need to claim it because we need more diverse leaders than ever before for our society as a whole, for our businesses, for our communities. So I think really, really remembering that, that like you said, which was such a beautiful example, Evie, like if you're having the vision, it's meant to be. If people are coming to you because they want a certain like advice or service, et cetera, it's, it's meant to be like that is a part of your purpose and the way that you can serve the world. And so just claim that expertise and make that difference. And, you know, it doesn't have to be about having a million followers, a million dollars, you know, being a CEO of that million dollar business. That's not what a lot of us are in here for. And if we think about all of the leaders and the experts that we like mourn when they pass away or that we celebrate, that we get behind, often it isn't about those things. It really is a clear message and a vision for the world. And we all have that within us. So just claim your expertise and share that message. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Love that so much. And where can the listeners find you and connect with you online? I'm a big fan of a DM convo. So you can hit me up on Instagram. My handle is Rachel underscore Kujit. We can talk about plants, puppies, business, being <laughs> an expert. Um, and you can hit me up on my website, the same kind of thing, au for all of the free stuff, support and just general kind of advice and love. Amazing. We will link all of that in the show notes. And just thank you so much for sharing this time, for sharing your voice, your wisdom. I feel like this has been such a good, juicy conversation. And I'm sure there's going to be so many, so many wins and takeaways and aha moments for the listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you. 
wasn't that epic? For all of the details and things we talked about in today's show, you can check them out in the show notes and that's over at evelynkelly.co.nz forward slash podcast. And if you can think of anyone who would really benefit from this episode, then please share it with them. And while you're there, I would be so grateful if you could leave me a five-star review in iTunes so that we can get this podcast out to even more humans and create a ripple effect throughout the world. 